0: hello everyone welcome back to pie the red Sox, blogging the redsox.com podcast i'm your host Brendan campbell and today i'm very happy to be joined by alec lewis kansas city royals beat writer for the athletic alec thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule today and uh, happy pitchers and catchers report day
1: thanks for having me man i i'm uh appreciative to be uh to be on here yeah it's uh it's a good day i'm it's like it's it's Positive degrees here in Kansas City. That's a positive. It's, I think it knew that pitchers and catchers were reporting, so it wanted to get above the negative um, in, in honor of that. So, no, it's good. Appreciate you having me, man.
0: All right. So, uh, for those who missed it, the Red Sox traded Andrew Benintendi to the Royals as part of a three-team trade last Wednesday. Uh, in exchange for Benintendi, Boston got back outfielder Franchi Cordero and two players to be named later from Kansas City, as well as pitching prospect Josh Winkowski, And one player to be named later from the Mets who received outfield prospect Khalil Lee from the Royals. So Alec, it's a pretty complicated trade trade. And just speaking of the players to be named later, do you have any insight to which uh, pair of Royals, lower level minor leaguers, the Red Sox will be acquiring pretty soon?
1: I do not. um, Unfortunately, I do not have that insight for, you No, it's a player to be named later is always interesting. um, Especially in this circumstance, you know, the, the, I mean the clubs haven't had much time to scout these guys in person. And so I know um I mean, for the Red Sox, they wanna be able to to be as confident as possible in the guys that they're they're adding. Franchi obviously has such a history and he played in the Dominican Winter League, so you have an idea and um but but no, I don't I don't have any specific insight for those two. uh the Rose have a lot of minor league pitching. I doubt it will be the the guys at the upper end, but um I, I doubt I'm sure they have a list of names that they'll go through and scout and
0: ensure things are good. So you're saying it won't be like a Bobby Wood Jr. or anyone like that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it would be good for the Red Sox if it was Bobby Wood Jr., wouldn't it? Um, no, no chance. It won't be. It won't be those guys who, um, I mean, look, Ben Attendee's is a great piece that the Royals really wanted to acquire. Uh, but, I mean. Look, they, they, they gave up Khalil Lee, who many considered a top ten prospect. And then Franchi Cordero, who he's an interesting piece. I mean, he's a guy who has never been able to stay healthy. But when he is healthy, he has tools that compare to very few. So um, they gave up enough. Uh, obviously, the, the two players we be named later are, are additions. But no, it won't be Bobby Wood Jr., unfortunately. Um, I can't break that news on this podcast now.
0: And speaking of Cordero, uh, you mentioned last week or you wrote last week that the Royals were in search of a left-handed hitting outfield bat this off-season, And they had that in Cordero, who's under control for one more season than Benintendi is. So I guess my question is uh, why, the sw- why the swap of those two ended playing the ability to stay on the field, play a role in that. Yeah, 100 percent.
1: I mean, they, they went from irreliability to reliability. I mean, Francie Cordero, again, he's a guy, I talked to a hitting coach within the Padres organization, uh, the organization the Royals acquired him from, and we had a long conversation just about working with Francie. how great of a guy he was, how much he cared, um, and how good he was when he was healthy. Just hasn't been healthy. I mean, even the Royals acquired him. And uh, he broke his handmade bone last year, just kind of a freak thing. It, it's always been the Achilles heel, uh, which I don't think he's injured, but uh, it's another part of the body you hope stays healthy. Um, and I think the Royals just, just with how much they want to kind of push their belief forward, push their competitive window forward, um, they needed a reliable guy. They wanted a guy who had winning experience, and that's Andrew I He'd obviously, as you know, struggled these last last. He struggled last year and then the last month of twenty nineteen with, with parts in between. Um and so I just I think they went with the sample size over the lack of it in in, in Cordero.
0: And given Ben Tendi's struggles, um, and just the fact that there weren't he wasn't the only left handed bat available via trade or free agency. So I guess why would the Royals give up assets for him when they could have just gave up money to sign like Eddie Rosario, for example?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I think the Royals just they see Ben as a guy who fits really well with the culture um, in terms of winning. I mean, he's he's won the ring that he's won. Um, He had relationships with Mike Matheny. Obviously, Mike's son, Tate, is within the Red Sox system. So there's a relationship there. Um, Andy Barquette, the former uh, Red Sox hitting coach, is, is. close with Dayton Moore. They've, they've uh, they have had, had long had a relationship. So I just think, and, and Andrew's a, a Midwest guy. And I wrote about that last Saturday. I mean, he's, he's from Cincinnati. He went to Arkansas. He, when he was at Arkansas, he watched the Royals win World Series and competed in them. And so I just think they felt like if we get this guy who has this winning experience, who's from the Midwest into our system and what we're building, it'll benefit us than signing an Eddie Rosario-type player. And so I think that's that's what, that's what why they pinpointed uh, Benettini. It's why they, they went after him like they did and, 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 and moved the prospects and, and franchise that they did because I just think they felt that he fit really well. And I also think they were confident just with the sample size and that he was going to bounce back. They obviously did their research into what he's been doing this offseason and what he's been focusing on. And I think if you couple all of it, um, they just felt most comfortable with this guy, and, and that that that's why they consummated the deal.
0: And you mentioned Ben Tenney playing his college baseball at the University of Arkansas, not too far away from Kansas City. Uh, do you think the Royals will try to use that to promote him and make him become a fan favorite, or do you think like his play has more to do with that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think combination of both. I don't. I mean, you, Red Sox people know Andrew. He's a quiet guy. He's not. He's not going <laughs> to make any. Crazy statements. He's not gonna say anything brash to the media. It's just not how he operates. And so, promoting him is that really the way they're gonna go? I don't know. But I mean, I do know this: he's really well known around these parts. He's well known across baseball. And this is a a, a team that um, I mean, yeah, it has has guys like Whit Merrifield and Jorge Soler and 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 Adalberto Mondesi and Salvador Perez, guys who Royals fans connect with and guys who who baseball fans know nationally. But Andrew Benintendi is a guy again who's been at the highest stage, who did it in, in SEC baseball, which is huge. And so I don't think they they would uh, balk at all at, at promoting that. I mean, I think the Royals and Dayton Moore and their front office they care a lot about growing the game, keeping the game strong, pushing it forward for the next generation. And if it if if a guy like Andrew Benintendi who's from this area can help do that, they're going to capitalize because. Um, I mean, yes, they have to win. It's their job. Dayton Moore talks about it all the time, It's the results business. But you can also have this want to grow the game and keep the game strong because of the relationships, because of what it offers. And um, so, yeah, I think if they can use Andrew Benitini and if he wants to in tandem with them, I don't see why they wouldn't do as much promotion and and work together to grab as many fans in this region as they can.
0: You mentioned Dayton Moore and Moore's relationship with uh, Andy Barquette, former Red Sox assistant hitting coach. In your conversation with Barquette, he mentioned something about like swing changes, talking about having like like a voice in his head, telling him to hit for power, for the, the money. So I guess my question would be, since Ben is going to be arbitration eligible again in 2022, what's stopping him from taking a similar approach in 2021?
1: I think just the struggles that he had and just how tough it was on a day-to-day basis, um, it's I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like any because this happens to a lot of guys, like the Royal second baseman, Nicky Lopez. I mean, he he had a, a pretty solid debut season. Then he tried to bulk up to hit for more power, like Whit Merrifield did this, and it worked for him. Um, but some guys it just doesn't work. And I've been thinking about this a lot. It's like anything in life. Like we succeed, we enjoy what we're doing, and then we want something more, or we want, and we have this other desire, and sometimes. It sets us back. And sometimes it teaches us something that we didn't we didn't want it to teach us. But it does teach us something and it puts into perspective like, oh, maybe I was happier in this mode. Or maybe I was. And so I think what's gonna stop him from from doing that is just he's been through that once. He's seen that through. He's seen struggles, but he's also seen what made him successful. And that was when he was quick, twitchy, athletic, uh, in good shape and ability to, to use his swing and back pass in the way that he'd always used it. And so I think that, coupled with the fact that Coffin Stadium is a really hard place to hit home runs, and the gaps are huge. And if you're thinking about um, how to best play at Coffin Stadium, you're not going to try to just hammer homers out of out of, out of of the park in right field like you could in, in, in at Fenway. And so I think for him, the combination of all this, of the trial and error, of knowing where he's going to be hitting – um, I think when you when you bring that all together, that's why he's not gonna, he's not going to do it again. The hitting home runs and the power. I mean, how could you not want that? That's that's o- OPS. That's slug. That's what again. It's what earns money and anybody in in America. that's what a lot of people live for. So uh, sadly, but so I think for him, um, just just the combination of everything is why he. he he's he learned and, and grown and that's baseball. That's life. That's the journey of what we, what we go through and what we have to overcome and what we see once we have overcome.
0: So based off what he learned, like this past year, towards the tail of 2019, do you think a change of scenery will do Ben any good?
1: Yeah, I think there's no question. I mean, look, I, the Red Sox made this deal. They know more than, I mean, I can report my butt off and talk to every single person who's ever been around them and who's been with them and, and I mean, I could try to get somewhere to where I have some sense of knowledge that the Red Sox have knowing this guy. Um, but I, I can never be able to do that. So the Red Sox know something and they know they know the history, the context. And so maybe it, it, I mean, to say that I think the, the change of scenery will do them good. I, I'm, 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 I'd say that off of a few conversations and not as many as the Red Sox have had. But I just think Midwest guy. Having been through the trials, I just think you you couple it all together, and it's a situation with a fan base that, I mean, look, Kansas City Royals fans really care. I don't I don't know if people realize that nationally. Like these fans really care, but they also haven't been as good as a lot of organizations for consistent periods of time. So when they are good, they love them, and when they're not good, it's kind of like, ah, eh, we'll just focus on Patrick Mahomes. So I think uh, I think with 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 Andrew, the scenery, I mean, I don't, I don't think you can even put a, a value on, on how much that's going to mean for him. And I, I know the Royals are just pumped to have him. And, and when you know you're wanted anywhere in life, that's that's always a positive. Right. So I think that's another piece to why um, why he'll turn
0: the tide. And in talking, talking with Barquette or even Andrew's father, Chris, did you get that same sort of sentiment as well?
1: No doubt about it. I mean, Andy Barquette actually brought up the element um, of Kauffman Stadium and how deep it plays and how I mean, if you if you're going to try to just hit home runs at Kauffman, you're probably not going to be successful so that it kind of just playing there reinforces the mindset that that I think Andrew had already had. And and yeah, Chris Benintendi, I mean, he's like Andrew's dad. We talked for for about an hour and he was just unbelievably great Um, and talking like he's like, we love Boston. I mean, we love they, they rolled out the golden carpet for us. It was incredible. We loved the fans there, the expectations. They're high, but they, he's like they never overcame Andrew. It, it was just a matter of you go through these trials and tribulations and, and this game is a business. The Red Sox decided to trade him, and now he's in this new place that's closer to home, that's closer to where he went to school. And so, um, yeah, they felt, I think, both. Uh, Chris and, and Andy and, and I don't know how much Andy has been in contact with Andrew. I don't. I don't think they had been in contact so much. But I, I, specifically with Chris, I mean, yeah, there there was an excitement just of of new, just something new. As anything in life, sometimes just you you need you need something different. You need something new.
0: And he brought the idea of Ben Tandy um, playing regularly uh, at Kauffman Stadium. He seemed pretty excited about that himself. Talking with you guys, the media last week. And assuming he returns to his form with the the Royals, how do you think he'll be able to use Kaufman's dimensions to his advantage?
1: Yeah, I think just for, at the plate, it's the gaps. I mean, if you go to Kaufman, just the swaths of grass in the outfield is kind of crazy. And the, the corners and how, how deep they get and how tough that can be on outfielders, um, it benefits a hitter, obviously. I think for him in the outfield, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I mean, he's gonna need the speed that he he didn't show last year so he's going to need that he's going to need to I mean I'm sure this spring he'll work a lot with Royals first base coach Rusty Koontz who's kind of like an outfield base running savant Um, and I think that work will probably really benefit him in the outfield but he's replacing Alex Gordon one of the best left fielders of all time it's not going to be an easy task the outfield is obviously very different but it should be interesting just to see I mean, he's wanted to get back to his athletic self, and I think that'll show in the outfield. And 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 um, he's got a guy in center, Michael Taylor, who, who is about as good a range as possible. So um, should make things easier on him. It'll it'll be interesting to watch. I think Royals people are excited. I'm excited. Uh, excited to watch it.
0: He'll be facing any pressure to replace Alex Gordon's production.
1: I mean, this is always the conversation, right? When I when a such a storied guy goes and it's it's always tough to follow anybody um but he's the guy who has this internal motivation Andrew does I think just from what's happened these last couple years that I I mean you is there pressure I think he just feels I mean just motivated to to perform the way he hasn't and so I I don't I mean I think the Alex Gordon part of it he, he wasn't he didn't come behind Gordon like all the way through it's just kind of now he's traded over and he let's go I mean I I don't I don't think there's much to that. Obviously, his, I mean, it's, it's in the outfield, it's not going to be easy to to <laughs> throw out guys the way Alex did. But um, I don't think there's added pressure. The pressure comes with just performing enough on a day-to-day basis. The game is really hard, uh, as Andrew knows, given last year and, and, and the end of 2019. And so I, I think that's the pressure of it is just be the guy who, who he's long been over the course of his life, really.
0: In your experience covering Alex, do you think he would be someone who would be responsive to Ben Intendi if Ben Intendi reached out to him to like help learn the ropes in left field at Kaufman?
1: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, Alex isn't going to talk his ear off. That's not who Alex is. He's a quiet guy. And, and um, I'm sure he, he's, he's been playing a lot of golf from what I know. So he's, he's kind of been away from, but yeah. And Andrew said, he's like, I, I think uh, I, I'm sh- I'd love to reach out to him, get any tips or anything. I, that wouldn't surprise me at all if that happened. Wouldn't surprise me at all if, if um, Alex was great there. But again, Alex learned it from Rusty Coons, who's going to be there every day. And so I think just having that voice in his ear is going to speak volumes in a way that people around baseball, because of defense and because it's kind of niche, probably won't realize. But I think it'll show up on a day-to-day basis in the
0: outfield. You mentioned earlier about the Royals trading for Benintendi because his durability, to put it simply. So, would you say his acquisition like opens up Kansas City's competitiveness window now, as opposed to maybe in two or three years?
1: I mean, that's such an interesting question I've been asked since they made the trade. Like, does that mean they're going to make the playoffs? Here's here's what I'll say: the Royals split games last year with Cleveland and with Minnesota. They went five and five and five and five. The, the White Sox beat them nine out of ten times, so that, that's obviously a hurdle that they're going to have to cross. But if you're the Royals and you're a competitor in anything in life and you split with two teams and then you feel like you got better and they may have gotten a little worse, maybe better, I don't know the Twins have added some pieces, then I don't know why you wouldn't feel like you could at least compete in the division and be competitive in, in the division. They also have these pitching prospects. They also – I mean, with these guys coming up, they want to establish that they believe they can win. And I think this is the start of that. Are they going to make the playoffs? Are they going to make the World Series? The odds would say no. But um, Picada also projected the Royals to win 73 games in 2015. And they won the World Series. So the game the game will tell you. The game and the results will tell you. And I, know, I just know the Royals have done as much as they've been able to to put the best product that they can for now. Um, they've pinpointed targets all offseason and gone after them. And and the chips will fall there where they may. I mean, it would just kind of be ridiculous if I was standing up here, sitting here saying that the Royals can't do this, can't do because baseball is a weird game. If I've learned anything, it's that.
0: And obviously if the Royals were to be competitive this year, their lineup would have to produce. And you wrote that Ben Teddy probably slots somewhere towards the middle lower half of their lineup. Like, could you envision him rising up to somewhere like number one, number two hitter at some point this season? I mean, cause I always envisioned him more as like as a table setter than someone like betting sixth or seventh in a lineup.
1: Yeah. I think I, I said that initially, I say things right, but I, I think like seeing him hit second would make total sense. And, and that might be the best spot for him. If you start with Merrifield, Ben Attendee, maybe flip it back to, to Solaire and then go the switch hitter and Carlos Santana then you could follow that up with Hunter Dozier or, or Salvador Perez or Modesty. There, there's a lot of versatility. But, yeah, I think he's more of the t- table-setter guy. You're right. Um, and he's had a lot of success at the two spot. Witt has has led off for a long time in Kansas City. Um, I think it's where he feels most comfortable. So that would, that would make sense to me. And it's a pretty interesting lineup. Um, I mean, Michael Taylor would be hitting eighth in that scenario, and he's a guy who's had success in the past, it's just a matter of, Kind of like Andrew, it's like do I hit for power? Do I just go gap to gap? It's that. It's he's another case of just a guy who it's like who am I and where am I most successful? And figuring that out could benefit him in a way that um, I don't know. We'll we'll find out.
0: You said uh, Rusty Koontz was a base or base running savant, was it?
1: Base running and outfield. He teaches. He he he's. Uh, <laughs> He's one of the most energetic people I've ever been around, and he loves it. And it, it, I mean, if people, coaches around him, will tell you that one of the best, he's one of the best at, at teaching outfield and base running that you're going to
0: find. So one of the things that's hindered Ben Tendy the last two last two years with the Red Sox was kind of like his inability to, uh like he he got caught on the base pass a lot. His sprint speed was declining. So you think Coons will be able to help him like unlock some of the speed he still has. Maybe
1: I think so. I mean, I think that would be the hope. The speed I think is. is is a byproduct of Andrew wanting to bulk up home run I mean I think um his dad said said in that story like he 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 looked like he had an ass like me and I I could see that on TV and um so I just I think uh yeah I I I have no doubt that um that Rusty will help from a base running perspective and then if he wants to get back to his athletic body um you would have to think speed would come he's 26 I don't I, my, I lost my speed because I'm unathletic. I don't think he, this guy is losing all of his speed at 26, but I don't know. Weird things happen. I just that's not what I think is going on. went on with Andrew Benintendi.
0: This is a bit off topic, but during his pressure, Benintendi said he actually like had some broken ribs, even though the Red Sox disc- disclosed his injury last year as a rib cage strain. <laughs> so i was just curious, like in your experience, what a team still uh, like let the with the red Sox let the royals know that ahead of time like during the, med- the the medical exchange or what was that about
1: yeah typically they're they're as informed on that stuff as possible i don't i don't know like conversationally so how that goes but they exchange medicals they're <laughs> so much <laughs> there's so much in these deals money wise and just people's livelihoods that every bo- everybody that's sometimes why it takes so long it's like this is in the works it's like what does that mean in the works well like they got to cross this uh across this T, dot this side there's a lot that has to happen so yeah, the Royals would be totally aware of, of medicals but I think Andrew from what he said is completely healthy now and so um that is I've had a broken rib It's not fun uh but and you I couldn't play baseball with it so can not imagine how Andrew couldn't also
0: So last question for me, Um, what should Red Sox, Red Sox fans expect out of Franchi Cordero for the foreseeable future? I mean, he obviously has to stay healthy, but um, considering him and Benintendi are both 26 years old. Who'd you say has the higher ceiling?
1: I'd say Andrew Benetton, has the higher ceiling. Um, I mean, but Franchi Cordero's ceiling is pretty high. If he can stay healthy, like the world sought him for a long time. Um, they really did from the Padres, and they finally acquired them. And just, I mean, I don't know. Maybe there's stuff you see when you have him in your organization I, I, in terms of medical wise, but like personality, I, I know they they really liked what he was about. Um, I know just just teammates enjoyed being around him for the brief time that they were. So I think Red Sox should expect again if he can stay healthy. The guy who who, who I mean his power potential is pretty crazy. So I don't know. We'll see kind of how it ultimately plays out, but it's interesting. He'll be a guy I'm, I, I mean, he's not on the team I cover anymore, but I'm very interested to see if he can stay healthy and if so, what he can do with that, because I, he's just a really interesting
0: piece. You've seen Cordero up close and personal, right? Obviously.
1: Yeah, I have. Yeah. I've seen him take BP. It's something, it's, <laughs> it's an impressive thing. I mean, he's, he's an impressive, impressive guy. Lefty swing. He's tried to add loss to it, I believe. That's part of something that he is just his bat pass. But it'll be interesting for sure to see kind of how – what he looks like just starting the year. I I just – I'm interested to see. I think he played in the Winter League in the Dominican this year and and didn't have the best run. So not sure how that's going to translate, but we'll find out.
0: And he has elite speed too, no? Like that's an interesting part of his game, I think, because you don't usually figure uh, power hitting corner outfielder would be a speed guy.
1: That's true. The problem is if you run fast, you can probably fall hard. And, uh, he's a guy, I mean, for health purposes, that's something you, you got to kind of watch. So no, I know, but yeah, you're, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, he does have elite speed and for a guy that's got size, it's really rare. He's a fascinating guy. I mean, if Red Sox, obviously you feel the way you feel about Andrew Benatendi with, the, with the ride you've had with him. So any, any response, I could totally
0: understand,
1: but, um, I mean, Franchi's a, a, really, if I was a Red Sox fan, I'd be excited to just see what happens with him. No doubt about it.
0: And I assume one of the reasons they targeted him, cause he's under team control for three years while well, Ben Tenny's he's only under team control for two.
1: Yeah. I think that, I think that's accurate. Um, I know he went through, I know Franchi went through his first arbitration year this past, uh, off season. So I think that would mean two or three, I don't know. It gets very complex, but, um, yeah, I think that, that would be part of it. You give him more a sample size. And maybe he puts it together and stays healthy. And I mean, maybe the Fenway outfield allows him to do that. I don't, we'll see. We will see.
0: All right. Well, Alec Lewis, thank you very much for taking time. you a busy schedule today. You can follow Alec on Twitter at Alec underscore Lewis and read his stuff at The Athletic. Alec, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Brent. I appreciate you having me. Keep up. Keep up the work. Uh, enjoy the season. Enjoy, keep me updated on Franchie if I don't see it. <laughs>